Hello, everyone. Oh, my God. I don't want to be dramatic, but does everybody just hear that sexy but whimsical, upbeat, but still kind of moody intro music? I don't mean to brag, but um, it's taken me, I don't know, what, eight, nine, ten episodes um, in like a six-week hiatus to get my shit together enough to actually try to make something out of this. So, hey, it's me. Um, Last time you heard from me, I had like a little bit of a nervous breakdown. That's what everyone in my life were referring to it. Like they're not calling it that. I'm calling it that. Um, We're just calling it Haley's Nervous Breakdown 2023. We figured out it was uh, the culmination of about a year of clinical burnout and ignoring that. And we all are doing a lot better. So if you're going from the last episode to this one, you're like, wow, something's changed. And the answer to that is uh, serotonin levels. Honestly, it's like the hell of a drug. So anyway, um, I'm only like partially kidding. So welcome back. Um, I've taken a hiatus. I think for the sake of like, I don't know, the performativism of all of this. Uh, I don't know if that's a word. I'm going to call this like, this is season two, but really I just like couldn't, I couldn't do one more thing, um, which is a bummer because I'm really trying to do this new thing where I like really stick to things I start. And I know like the joke is like everyone, mainly millennials think that we deserve podcasts, but then we'll do like four episodes and we'll be like, oh my God, this is kind of time consuming. And like, I'm a little lazy and then we stop. So like, trust me, I'm in on the joke. I am the joke. I'm contributing to it. Um, but I'm really going to try hard to like actually keep going with this because, um, dun, 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 I live in Michigan full time and we'll get there. So, um, where should I start? Okay. Some updates. Well, I tried to record this like two weeks ago and then I refigured my entire life. Um, and so actually it makes a lot more sense to be doing it right now. So um, I think the last time I recorded the, any anything was like early August, um, mid nervous breakdown. Not really, but eh, kind of. Um, and I was very much like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. As a parent, as a spouse, as a human, as a woman, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and I've kind of had like a little bit of a wake up call, I think we can call it. Um, and I think for lack of a better term, like I've kind of gotten my shit together. So backing up August football camp came and went, um, I then kind of got our house ready to, which by ready, I just mean like cleaned it, um, packed a fuck ton to go to California. The plan was to be there for like five weeks because last fall, so two falls ago, I was still, I think it was Tabor's first year. So Tabor's first year with 49ers. Hey, I'm Haley. If you're new here, I don't start with this one because it's back up. So, but if you are new here, my husband's name is Tabor. He plays for the San Francisco 49ers. So his first year was during COVID and they were like in lockdown, basically like no fans, no whatever. So I stayed in Michigan to be specific. I moved back in with my mother and my dog. We joined her and her new dog and her four cats. One's technically mine. That's a story for a different day. Anyway, well, it could be a story for today because I think I might be getting another cat. Anyway, so um, that was Tabor's first year. Tabor's second year, we had moved into our new house in Michigan, and I was working full-time still. Um, 
in a job that I loved that was kind of like I think looking back like the the I would say like the formal career like that was it um in higher education so I was working full-time and I was hybrid so I had to be on campus a lot so um I would just travel for games here and there I would stay like a week two weeks at a time somewhere in that time I got pregnant and then traveling was a nightmare like if you've never flown with a mask on while super nauseous like it's not a blast so I basically just stopped traveling and then last year with the baby I was like okay I need to be in California more because I felt like I was supposed to be and backing up we've kind of always had this like I'm gonna play the season by ear we'll see how it goes um because as far as like the living situation and I think people are, are really confused and like what we do and why we do it this way. And I'm going to tell you exactly why we do it this way. Well, first of all, for the first several years of Tabor's career, I had a job that required me to be in a different state than the one that he was playing football. Then when he went to Miami, um, he was signed to Miami fall 2019. I, we kind of thought, I mean, looking back, it was whatever, hindsight's 2020, but um, we anticipated he would be there for like at least a year, maybe two. And I really... I, I didn't want to miss out on this time. I remember I've been reflecting a lot on all of this lately. And I remember thinking, I don't want to just go for the games. I want to be there on a Tuesday. I want to be able to go to dinner. I want to be able to like actually, because we weren't even engaged at that point. We were just dating. And I was like, I want to be able to like be a part of this. I was young. I was, oh my God, this was four or five years ago, four years ago. Um, I was like, I want to experience the, the things that are supposed to be the benefits of being in the NFL, whether it's making friends, going to events, um, really making a community around myself. So I moved to Miami and that did not go well. <laughs> that was not the right choice because I, once I was there and granted COVID happened in the middle of that. So there is a lot of like Mm, I don't know if this was the right choice or if this was, I I think had COVID not happened, things could have been a little bit different, but somewhere along maybe in, in Miami with Tabor, I had left Michigan. I had left my job. Um, I'd gotten a new one, but I was, my whole world had kind of changed because of his. And that's something that, you know, all partners in professional sports I know deal with, um, but in my, I, I only know the NFL. So I, I know that's something that a lot of women in the NFL deal with that we, it's hard to have, you know, our own thing. I've talked about this on other episodes. Well, my point is I firmly believed that if I was going to go and join him, I was going to create a life for myself that was outside of football. So I got a job. I joined a community. I, was managing a uh, Pilates studio, and then I started working for corporate there. I made friends. I I became really close friends with the other wives on the team, and I was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. Okay, wow. When you then get cut from that team, that world that you've invested in and that you make gets ripped away from you, and you're left with 
at least 50% of what you had created because you don't really have those built-in friends anymore. It's harder to get together with people. Again, we were in a pandemic, so I had lost that. I had been furloughed from that job that I had left my previous very stable one for. So it was, it was a clusterfuck. So because of that, I learned a big lesson. And looking back at that point, so we're now fall 2020, tapers with the 49ers. We sold the house in Miami because somewhere in that we thought it was a good idea to buy a house to flip, which was, again, hindsight's 2020. A lot of weird shit happened that year in 2020. Um, it's whatever. We sold the house. We did a dirty renovation, sold it fast. And um, we, I mean, I, I was in Michigan. I was like, listen, I was like, oh, we're done. I'm done doing this when you're here, when you're there. Because at this point, Tabor was, I guess, five years into the league, I think. And every single year he had been either on a different team or not with a team. And I was like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Um, and this is going to be a very honest conversation, a very honest, um, I don't know, explanation maybe, because I have learned in the last few weeks that this is not a uh, solitary issue for me and my family. This is a league-wide issue. This is perhaps a, a profession-wide issue in professional sports, in um, a profession that is not even necessarily sports. It could be politics. It could be anything where one partner's job really dictates the blueprint of your lives, at least for a specific period of time. So I really hope this mic is like fine. I didn't test this, but whatever. Okay. We're just going to keep going. So I, at that point, again, we had been at different teams, different place every year, either with one, not with one. I was like, I need stability. So that's why, again, I talked about this before, looked at a house, said, I live here now, was the best decision ever. But because of that, I also became very trigger shy about going somewhere full time again. And I think that's the easy answer for why when people ask me, like, why don't you live in California full time? Well, because it makes me nervous. <laughs> and Tabor's on his second contract extension with tech third, technically. Um, yeah, he's he's re-signed now twice. So we're he has some we we feel like we have some footing, but I am trigger shy about moving there full time, or at least I was. And I thought it was because I just was nervous. Like, oh my God, what if he gets cut? What if something changes and we're going to have to do this again? Whatever. I, I knew we were gonna, never going to leave the house in uh, Michigan. A, because I liked it. And then B, because like we bought it in December of 2020. And I don't know if you know what interest rates were like then, but like we have the definition of the golden handcuffs on this house and we, uh, we will die here. Like we can't leave. Um, it would be stupid to leave at least right now, or at least probably for the next few years, depending on how the interest rates change. So, um, I fast forward, I, the fall that I was pregnant, I was still working full time, sometimes on campus. And so I was, you know, in California a week or two weeks at a time at home, whatever. Well, okay. Then I have the baby and it made more sense for me to quit my job and be a stay-at-home mom. And I had that in my mind that that was going to be the plan because I couldn't see a world in which it would work for me to keep working for several reasons, logistically, because I planned on going to California at least a month here, home here, because I 
I love it here. God, it's so fucking annoying too, by the way, that people are like, why do you live in Michigan? I like it here. I don't know if that's like, I, I guess that's weird for some people, but like, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but like, I have a pretty cozy life here. And like, I don't know if I sound aggressive right now, but it's just really, it's annoying. It's just annoying. I, I have a beautiful life. And Tabor and I have been talking about this a lot recently because I, I like, you know, like everybody who has like tchotchke signs in their house, like this is very like early 2010s, like when I was in college, we had signs with words on them, like everywhere, like whether it was a Marilyn Monroe quote or like, I don't know. Well, I have this one little sign that when I moved to Nashville, again, peak, like peak sign quote culture, I walked in this little tchotchke shop in um, Hillsboro and I bought this little plaque and it's an Elsie DeWolf quote and it says, I will make everything around me beautiful and that will be my life. And it's the only thing like cheesy quotey like word thing it's like five by seven maybe it's really small it's the only thing I've ever kept like that because I something in me like like an alarm went off that day and I truly feel that way that I want that to be my life I want to make everything around me beautiful whether that means making my house my sanctuary and cozy and homey whether that's I, I just energetically feeling beautiful. Like I just, that I want that to be my life. And I've done a really good job of making that happen in the last six weeks. And this is why. So last fall when I decided to quit my job, I, we decided that because it made sense. And I have since decided that that was, not a great call and I will tell you why and and like by the way yes this is the patriarchy it's all the patriarchy like plot twist my husband and his bestie Garrett call me a Barbie feminist but like it is the it's all the patriarchy in our culture it is assumed that the woman will forego her career her commitments to be the primary caretaker Obviously, with my husband's job, it's not like that was an argument. I get that. My point is, we made the decision to stay for, for me to stay home because it made more sense, not because I really, really, really wanted to. And I can finally admit that now. And it's taken a lot of really intense conversations with friends, with other moms, with other women. When I was pregnant, I was very like, Obviously, you're hormonal, you're, you're uh, nostalgic, you're looking back. I had a working mom, but I had a working mom who was home by like three or four. So it, I, like she was still able to take me to my activities, to do the things, but like she worked in the summers and that's like that kind of sucks. So I remember like that's why I was in a lot of activities and I was with my grandparents a lot. Like I had in my head that I wanted this more nuclear setup because, you know, hashtag daddy issues like – I, I crave a nuclear family and I've always craved that nuclear family. And so that's what I thought I was creating. But I didn't learn my lesson the first time when I left my job to be in Miami. And I remember vividly, I remember vividly when we were in Miami, um, we had, a we had friends on the team and like, I don't, we've lost touch with them. I, nobody would ever be able to figure out who this is. So I'm, I don't care about telling the story. We had friends on the team and um, she, this player's wife said to me, 
you know, when we got married, him, this guy, he, he said, you always have to come with me. You have to move with me wherever we go. Like that's, that's what I want. And I remember thinking, oh my God, I would never like, that seems like a crazy ultimatum, but you know, to each their own, every relationship is different. To me, that seemed like a huge demand and seemed very short-sighted, but again, everyone lives their life differently. And I remember thinking out loud and saying out loud something that is like a lot of might make people squirm or feel icky. I remember thinking being Tabor's wife and someone else's mom is never going to be enough for me. And that I said that to my husband. I don't know if I ever said that to anybody else because now that I am someone's mom, that does feel kind of shitty to say out loud. It does. But when I was pregnant and especially postpartum, I, you can't imagine leaving this baby with someone else. Oh my God. Like I could never imagine. But then we hit you at three months, 12 weeks, right? Because in this country, that's the maternity leave that you get. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, I was lucky to work for a public state, like, what is it? Like, well, okay. I work for a public university. So I was technically a state employee. So I was lucky to get paid FMLA an extra six weeks. So I had six weeks of maternity leave through my employer. And then I was able to stack the FMLA six weeks that for me, luckily was paid, which for most people it's not. And I am saying most because the majority it's not. So 12 weeks, I was not ready to go back to work at all. I, I'm like, I can't leave this child. I was in the thralls of what we now know was postpartum OCD and postpartum anxiety. I couldn't imagine leaving her with someone else, a stranger, I would never have sent her to a daycare because my anxiety wouldn't. I think that's a fine option. As long as you vet them, a fine option. My anxiety at the time would never have allowed me to do that. And I recognize that now. My point is I couldn't have fathomed, I couldn't have fathomed leaving that situation at 12 weeks. But at six months, I was a little burnt out and I was a little ready. And I felt like I was getting my groove back. And then by nine months, I was getting really antsy. And then at a year, I had a nervous breakdown because I had the identity crisis that everyone talks about because then I probably would have been ready. And so surprise, the thesis of this is that the maternity leave in this country is setting women up to fucking fail. It just is. Because if 12 months would have been an option with job security, I'm not even talking about paid, just 12 months job security, I think might have made a difference. Six months even. So my point is, <laughs> um, my old job um, that I left to be a stay-at-home mom, um, my, uh, uh, one of my bosses um, tragically, very suddenly, very unexpectedly passed away over the summer. And a few months after she passed, there was a, a celebration of life in one of my old, one of the old buildings and um, in the performance spaces. And I went and it was a beautiful day of art and music and powerful words by people who I highly respect. And we laughed and talked about memories and reminisced and honored a really beautiful life and a really beautiful career. And for the first time, 
in a year, I felt good about myself. Not like I felt good. Like I felt good before, but I felt really good about myself. And I'm going to tell you why. Because someone, and this makes me feel like shit. This makes me feel like shit. And I also know why. It made me feel good because at the end of this celebration of life, I was helping clean up and we were walking back to, it was me and the two of the girls who had replaced me in my job. It was old student assistants and we, we were walking back and we were laughing and one of them said, I'm so sorry to ask you this, but like, do you mind if I ask you a work question? And I was, I, my response was, I would love nothing more than for you to ask me a work question. And she asked me a couple things, a couple metrics based things, um, asked me what I would do in certain situations. And I gave this like dissertation of all of this information that just lives somewhere in my brain. And it was like, I caught on fire. I was so excited to be having that conversation and it made me miss my job and it made me kind of go into this, I guess, wormhole of really figuring out, okay, what about the last year? Have I, why, why have I struggled in the way that I have in the last year? Is it because that I had a career that I finally felt really good about? And then you leave that to do something that you also find to be highly or the most important, but then you do want both and you want both to work because you were really proud of the person that you were before you became a mom. But it made more sense for you to do the other thing. And I know I'm talking in circles here, but my point is I have felt really guilty about not loving being a stay-at-home mom. And I have discovered that everyone is afraid to say that out loud. And there are a lot of people who feel that way because like every one of my friends feels that way, which I've discovered because we've all started cluing each other in on the things that we think will make us sound crazy, will make us sound like bad moms. And there's a book that I now give everyone the second they pee on the stick and figure out that they're pregnant. I, and it's a book called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. And it basically is validating all of the things that live in your mind that you think make you a monster. And they don't. They make you human. They make you honest. And they're also going to make you help a shit ton of people if you say them out loud. So that's what we're doing now. Um, I felt really guilty for not loving this. I felt guilty for missing my job. I thought that made me bad, and I think that makes me someone who's proud of the work that I put in before this current stage of life. And I saw a, another mom talker, um, a mom like TikTok girl. She was talking about this recently, and she said. And she really, she did it the right way where she really embraced being a stay-at-home mom. And she said that they made the decision for her to stay home. Her husband's a doctor. And she made the decision to stay home because, or she, she said she thinks you really, this decision needs to be because you want to, not because it makes more sense. And I felt like I got like punched in the eye <laughs> because we did, dis- I mean, I, I'm not even going to say we because Tabor was very like, do what you want to do. I made the decision 
to be a stay-at-home mom because I couldn't justify the cost of childcare. I would be, I would have, especially in California, I would have been breaking even or in the red. It would not have made sense. However, I am willing to admit now that I did not factor in, I did not consider the mental health component of this. And I own that. Um, I'm not saying I'm going back to work, but what I am saying is that me trying to make my life in both places, both Michigan, because that makes me feel secure and safe and in California, because it makes me feel like the good football wife, the nurturing mother, making sure my daughter has time with her dad. I've been trying to make this work in both places because I thought I was supposed to, not because I wanted to like. I left my job because I thought it made more sense because I thought I was supposed to, not because I really wanted to. And what we came to um, within the last month is that I really hate being in California. (laughs) And I don't, I'm okay with saying that now. And it's not that I hate being in California. Of all of the places football has taken us, Trust me, California is at my top. If we were going to live anywhere else on the planet, well, not on the planet, if we were going to live anywhere else in the United States other than Ann Arbor, like my hippy-dippy crunchy town, trust me, Northern California would be at the top of the list. It's not that I hate being in San Francisco or Santa Clara. It's that I really just hate being anywhere that isn't my living room, if I'm being honest. (laughs) like That's kind of what it comes down to, and it's because I crave stability. And I think it's important to remind everyone we're eight years in. Tabor always says that Tabor counts two years less than I do. And I don't. He counts, you know, he this year he counted this as year six because this is his sixth accredited season. Well, I don't count that. I count eight years because that's how long we've been in the NFL as either a free agent or an active player. Meaning we've been doing this for eight years. And it was a little bit easier to bounce around, to go, to really feel like I'm living the life. I'm enjoying it. I'm soaking it all up like I did in Miami. And then we were all, you know, fucked by a global pandemic. Um, But now things are different. And I am older. And I have a daughter. And I crave stability. And I crave a routine that... I have obviously not had in the last year and I just crave, crave feeling a sense of peace. And I left the house. I packed up. I was supposed to be in California for five weeks. We were there for two weeks. We went to the end of camp party and the, the, the well, backing up. The plan was that I was going to be in Michigan for, or I'm sorry, in California for about five weeks into like mid-October and then I was going to come home for at least three weeks because that boundary was that I am always in October or I'm always in Michigan in October. That is what brings me so much joy. I, Halloween, again, I'm Haley Wayne. I think about it 364 days a year because I start planning the day after the previous one. I, that was, that was it. But then I honestly didn't have a plan. For the rest of the fall. I kind of assumed I would come back sometime in November. Well, Thanksgiving, we have the shittiest schedule in the NFL. I don't know. I guess I'll go home. I don't 
I really, if I'm being honest, I had not thought past October. I didn't have any flights. I just, people would ask me like, oh, when are you coming back? Like, right. And I was like, oh, sometime in November. But like, I really didn't know. And I went there right before Labor Day. We went to the end of camp party and we had the girls brunch and it was so fun and it was great. And I was there for, I don't know, not even two weeks. I think I was probably like eight days in and Tabor was leaving for a second away game, meaning of the 10 days that I had been there, he had really only been home for like three or four of them. And I was sobbing in my car because it was really hot. So like that was automatically in a bad mood because I was just sweating. Um, Rue was hysterical. And I discovered also somewhere in this time that the sitter that I thought we were going to have ended up moving. I love her. Like it's obviously she shouldn't have stuck around in California for us, but it was just something else that I thought that I was going to have that I didn't. And so that was really unfortunate. Um, and kind of felt like I was starting from square one with childcare. And the thing is people have been telling me for months, you need a nanny, you need a nanny, you need a nanny, you need it. So I had a, I would say part-time nanny setter in the spring. She was amazing. Then she had the audacity to leave me and go to medical school. Like, no, I'm kidding. But like that, that did help. That really did help because that freed up time. Well, everybody has kept telling me now you need another nanny. You need an au pair. You need to do all this stuff. Okay. Well, I realized in that meltdown in my car, I don't need a nanny. I need her to go somewhere else. And I mean that in the most lovingly beautiful way. I need to be able to walk around my house and get shit done or sit on my couch or clean the kitchen and have her not know that I'm there because if she knows I'm there, it drives her crazy. And so I needed more autonomy around my house. When I had the nanny here or I had a sitter come over, I was locked in my bedroom or I would have to like sneak out the front door or I would go through the kitchen. I would clean the kitchen and then that would really bother my child. And so, and then everybody's cortisol is raised and it's like, well, this is not working anymore. So that's 50%. The other 50% is I have the most social toddler, not like shocking because of who I procreated with, but like I have the most social toddler. She is so ready to go and make friends and do new things and while I was in the middle of all of this, um, this meltdown, I, that came, you know, okay. I had this light bulb moment of I, she needs to go somewhere else, somewhere enriching and somewhere that I love and feel passionate about and will teach her the things that I'm, I can't teach her at home because I, I, again, I have a background in human development. I'm, I've been super in tune with the stages and she's bored at home with me. I know she is. I know she's bored. So we had toured a school, um, in May, but I'm like, I can't, it's, um, it's Montessori. And I, I know everybody, like a lot of people don't love Montessori, but like I do, I like it. So, um, I, um, wanted her in some sort of like mother's day out. I didn't want her in like a daycare. Like I wanted like a, like a structured, like, I know that sounds crazy for a 15 month old, but the people who have kids know what I'm talking about. She was ready for something. Um, and so we had toured this place in May and, um, I was like, yeah, I would love to do this, but 
I'm going to be in California half the time. Like, I don't want to pay for this if I'm only here half the time. And then like in California, like that, that's going to disrupt her a lot, especially with toddlers. It takes, they really need to be going somewhere at least two to three days a week, or at least really at least three days a week for them to get in a routine and for them to understand and know what to expect. So the balancing around was just going to confuse her. It wasn't really going to help anything. Honestly, I was worried that it might make things worse. Um, being in two different places and also when we're here jumping into school. So anyway, my point is uh, I put that on the back burner. And then when I was crying in my car in Los Gatos, um, I was like, I, I don't, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm, and rewinding earlier that day, I was at the wives brunch um, and which is like a, a brunch that the 49ers put on for, um, the partners of players, staff, personnel, coaches, everyone, amazing event, beautiful, so fun. It was a blast. But there I was talking to one of the coach's wives who's were friends and she said something that was like, oh, I just need to get through the first game. And I was like, do you ever feel like we say that all the, like you say that a lot. Like, I just need to get through this. I need to get through this. And she was like, oh my God, yes. And then we talked about that for a little bit that I'm like, I, the amount of times I say, I just need to get through X. I need to get through camp. I need to get through the first game. I need to get through September. I need to get through season. Well, I just got to get through playoffs. I, we just got to get past however long we go. We just got to get through OTAs. Like it never stops. And I don't want to just be getting through my life anymore. I don't. I just, I don't, I don't want to just be getting through my life. I don't want to wish the amount of time of my daughter's first year of life. I wished away just so that I could have more help at the end of this finish line, or I could do something or I could feel a little bit of relief. Like that is no way to live. I want to make everything around me beautiful. That will be my life. And nothing around me was beautiful. It was fucking chaos. So, um, for four or five days I sat on this and, um, we had a big old come to Jesus meeting and I decided to come home because I just didn't want to be there anymore. And it's not that I didn't want to be with my husband. Trust me. If you feel like reading into all this, like, oh, they must like what? No, it's like grow up. Okay. Just grow up. Like Everyone's marriage is different. Everyone has a different setup and nobody understands what this is like unless you're living it and they even if you are living this you really don't understand everyone's specific situation because every single person in the league has had a different path there are multiple men on that team who their partners have never had to pack up their car and ship it across the country and then decide if they were going to sell their house or if they were going to move or if they were going to rent it or get tenants or oh fuck what are we going to do with the dogs? How are we going to get the dogs there? Like there are a lot of people who have never had to do that. And so even that's a whole nother layer of even if you're on the inside, you really don't know the kind of anxiety this type of uncertainty causes. And I don't say that to be bitchy or to be like, you guys don't get it. Like I, I'm just saying truly no two situations are alike and so for anyone who has any judgment around any of this is just like like just fuck off kind of okay so I came home and I 
decided I needed to overhaul my life, basically. That the nervous breakdown of 2K23 was the culmination of a year of burnout, of ignoring, like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like, genuinely. Um, And we had to make a huge change. And within about 48 hours, I figured my shit out. (laughs) And I, well, there was, like, four steps that ultimately ended in Rue had been on the wait list uh, for that school. And sometime in this the last month, she got off the wait list. And I took that as a sign of there was a spot that opened up for three half days a week uh, or three days, half days. Um, And I took that as a sign of this is exactly what I am supposed to be doing. And I felt instant relief that she was about to go to an environment that will, I mean, just explode her little personality that's already being created. And I instantly felt so much guilt. Well, first I felt relief of like, okay, I think this is what we're going to do. I'm giving my kids stability because for years I've been asking, like since I found out I was pregnant, I was like, how do kids in professional sports go to school? Like how do you, because so many people do live in two places. Well, like how does that work? Like I, I, I didn't understand. And Maybe it is because we are like creeping up on a decade doing this where I am more comfortable. I, I probably at 25 wouldn't have been comfortable being like, yeah, I'm going to stay in Michigan. Like I probably would have felt a lot of FOMO, honestly, because I think in Miami, that's what I was feeling when he went to the Dolphins and I was still in Ann Arbor. I was like, oh God, I was like kind of like jealous. Like I wanted to go to all this stuff. I, and I don't feel that way anymore because maybe it's like a been, maybe this is like a going over the hill of like a maturity of I've been there, done that. I don't feel that way anymore. And I also felt like, and I this, I came to this conclusion with talking to a girlfriend, um, shout out Jenny. She and she and her partner, they do the same thing. They have two kids and she stays in their home state and then he goes and plays. And I called her and I was like, I need you to explain this to me. Like, how, how are, how are we doing this? What are we like? And she said the most, like, I should just call her and have her explain it. She, she said the most like enlightening, like, I feel like I got struck by lightning thing. She was like, look at the games that you want to go to ones that you will have fun at friends who could come with you go to what you want to go to. And I was just like, why does that seem like a like foreign concept? And it is on the on along the line of back in like April, my therapist asked me what I wanted to do. And I looked at her and I said, I don't know if anybody's asked me what I want to do in like 15 years. And I wasn't kidding. Whether it's pageants, baton, uh, crimson nets work, the NFL. I don't know if anybody's asked me what I want to do. And my instant response was, well, what I actually want to do is buy a shit ton of land, build a farm, like build a farmhouse, a little cottage. I want it to be big. I want to build a little cottage and I want to have an apothecary down the street. And I want to sell lotions and potions and sad beige baby clothes. And like, that's all I want to do for the rest of my life. For the, re- for the rest of my life. 
And I was like, well, that doesn't sound really realistic right now because like, A, again, I'm going to die in my house because I have a atrociously low interest rate. And then also I could never start a business. I could never start anything. I could never have, because I live in two different places. I, that would never work. I could never do that. And then somewhere along this conversation with Jenny, I was like, oh, I should go to what I want to go to. And it literally was like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what about that conversation was like, oh my God, I, this isn't going to last forever. There is a shelf life on this. And I think because we're so far in it and things in the last couple of years have been so logistically difficult that I have forgotten that this is temporary. And another friend of mine the other day who's really going through something very similar, she's a stay-at-home mom, her husband's playing, she's struggling with what to do this season. They have two kids now. Again, he's also a vet. Like, She's been struggling with where, where do we go? What do I do? And she said, how do you deal with this? You, how are you dealing with this? Don't you miss Tabor? And I said, yeah, I miss Tabor. But for the first time in my life, I actually have a little bit of hindsight that this is not going to last forever. I'm not going to be 50 and solo parenting <laughs> or I, I, I'm just not going to be doing this isn't going to last forever. And I'm not saying I want it to end because I don't, I want him to play until the wheels fall off because he loves it. And I'm willing to do this because he loves it. And obviously it's providing for our life, but more than anything, he loves it. And so I have decided I am not going to wish away my life anymore. I am not going to say I just have to get through whatever I have to get through or felt like I had to get through. I want to enjoy this because I do not want to look back on this time and think about how fucking tired I was, about how annoyed I was. I want to go to a game that Matt can meet me at. I want to go on a weekend that I can plan to go back to the beach in, in San Francisco because the day that I, <laughs> Mr. Crane, when I was having all these thoughts and realizing like, what am I doing? I, my, I felt like I literally like, it was something in me just snapped. And, um, I drove to San Francisco for anybody who like, doesn't really understand the ge- like the geography of <laughs> where the 49ers are. It's like, like, why would you, um, the team is not in San Francisco. It's at least an hour with traffic, like an hour and a half south of San Francisco. So to drive into the city is like not a cakewalk. Um, but I was, I woke up and I remembered something that I've, I think about often. Um, I think that's the first time I've cleared my throat and it's been 43 minutes. I just want to like pat myself on the back for that. Anyway. Um, so a really long time ago, I remember I was living in the condo uh, in Ann Arbor, and I was listening to an audiobook, and I genuinely I don't remember what the book was. I have a suspicion, but I need to like confirm this. And I tried to Google it, and I can't find it. But there was a line that said, if you ever feel out of control, if your life ever feels out of control, imagine standing in front of the ocean and telling the waves to stop. And they don't. And that's the point. You can't control the ocean. You can't control the waves. They're going to come. And you have to just go with them. You have to just let them hit you. And it's 
not really a, I, I think you can interpret it however you want, because I think you can think like, oh, you just have to ride the wave. Like, you know, it's all about your reaction. Like, no, like some things genuinely suck. But the point is you can't control them. You can only control, you can control, we can hear that all the time. But I just think about that a lot. And I don't even, I, I think I have a different interpretation of it often, but I felt out of control. And so I wanted to go to the ocean. So I put her in the car and we drove up to Baker Beach and it was, it's like pictures don't do it justice. Videos don't do it justice. I discovered that my kid is obsessed with sand. So I feel like I have really done her an injustice by not providing her with sand up until 15 months. Um, but it was a spectacular morning. And she laughed and we sat and we ran and like the water was so cold. So like I didn't even put my toes in it, but it was just divine. And I decided I want to make my life beautiful. And so I booked a flight for two days later and Tabor was literally, I think he had just gotten home from their second away game. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going home. And somewhere within the next several days um, is when I got the email about, this position becoming available at this school. And I said, we're, this is what we're doing. So the plan for now, not, you know, I'm not even gonna say for now because I'm very confident that this is what we're going to do until he's done playing. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in the league who do long distance and who do kind of live, you know, their families stay home, they go play. And then he comes home in February you know, God willing that we go to the Super Bowl because by the way, football season is so fucking long now. Um, but anyway, I know a lot of people do that. And I, (laughs) I have hesitated doing that because I thought I was supposed to go with him. I thought I was supposed to be the perfect football wife. I thought I was supposed to be the perfect partner who takes care of our child and, goes with him because I thought that may I thought that meant I loved him more. I thought that meant that I was better. That that was the perfect setup. That it looked like that was what I was supposed to be doing, not because I actually wanted to be doing it. And I understand that that's a projection and maybe like a person feels that way, but that was that I projected that that people judged me for not being in California full time. So I fought to make it work. Because I thought it's what I was supposed to be doing, not because it's what I actually wanted to be doing. And to be clear, backing up to the anecdote that I told like 25 minutes ago about that couple in Miami, I remember telling Tabor, you know, oh, he he said that he wants her to always come with him. That's like a rule. And Tabor was like, that's crazy. And I was like, oh, cool. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He has always, since day one, said, I want you to do what makes you happy. And I'm very blessed to have that as my partner. Like I'm, I'm very, I'm lucky to have that as the, honestly, the blueprint for how I then get to make these decisions. But I have been making decisions out of, well, it seems it logistically makes more sense. Not based on what I actually want to be doing. So Haley, what do you want to be doing? Well, I want my kid to go to school three days a week, half days. I live in Michigan and I'm going to look at the calendar every month and I'm going to find a game that I really want to go to and I'm going to make an awesome, fun week of it. And we're going to spend quality time together because by the way, 
when you go to your partner during football season, we all go there expecting to have help and to have a co-parent. And that just isn't the case. Like I said, I was in California for 10 days. I think he was home for three of them. It is a, it is a very physically draining job. It's a time-consuming job. They don't have a full day off any day of the week. Tuesdays are technically their day off, but he would still go into the building from like 8 to noon or depending on if you have film to watch, depending on if you're hurt. That could be later in the day. So really then you don't have a day off and then you're away for one night, two nights, max three nights sometimes, or if you are the 49ers and are flying the most miles in the National Football League, sometimes you're away for a week at a time. So it's not going to California for more help or to actually spend quality time together. It's to predominantly solo parent in a different setting in a setting that's less comfortable, that's less familiar, with actually less support because my mom's not here, my friends aren't here, my neighbors aren't here, my support system isn't here, but my partner is there. But I was focusing on quantity and not quality, and that, if I'm being honest, was the deciding factor. I want to pick games. I want to pick weeks. I'm going to go and I'm going to have a blast. I'm going to see if friends want to meet me. Like I said, we're going to go to dinners. Tabor, I'm going to put him in the car and we're going to drive up to the beach together. We are going, I'm going to make this beautiful because I don't want to wish away these years and I don't want to look back and look back with resentment because that's a dangerous emotion. And I don't want to regret not enjoying how exciting this can be. And I know I have been looking past that and rolling my eyes at the the excitement because I resented the sacrifices that it was forcing upon me. And I don't want to do that anymore because that's not fair to anyone in my family. But mostly it's not fair to myself, right? Like, um, so that's the plan. So ultimately, I've decided that I'm turning that guilt that I felt over not loving being a stay-at-home mom into doing things that are going to make me love my life and love my current situation. And yes, that started with putting my child in school because she was more than ready for it. And it solved like a million issues, but I felt this huge guilt of doing that. And I couldn't figure out why, why I felt this huge guilt when I, I mean, something in her brain took off at 15 months. And I, again, I, I know, I know the science behind this. I, 15 months to two years is when their personalities explode. And like my friend said, you need to make sure it's not a weird one. And I'm going to leave that at that, but the, the, she was just so ready. She was so ready. But I felt this intense guilt, even though I know, I know for a fact that three half days a week is perfect and will be so beneficial for her. And like, I'm not going to lie this morning, like this was her second day of school this morning. I went to brunch with my friends like I did, but so this is beneficial for everyone. But I know it was, I know it's so good for her, but I felt so guilty. And a couple of my friends were like, I understand, but like, I'm, trust me, this will, this is the best. It's going to be amazing. And then one of them, 
um, she's an educator and she kind of gave me a, a pep talk because I was like, why do I feel so guilty about doing this when I know inherently that this is the right choice? And she said, you feel guilty because we've been indoctrinated to believe that the best place for our children to be is home with us. And in 2023, that's not technically true anymore. I would love to get on the soapbox of where they're the safest, but I don't really have like the blood pressure to do that today Uh, because dropping her off at school for the first day, um, all I was thinking about pulling into the school was and dropping her off was I, how do parents do this? How do you drop your kid off knowing that someone could come in and shoot everyone? Like I don't, okay. So, um, are they the safest at school? Uh, fucking no. But developmentally, she's ready for more. And she needs to be immersed in an environment that, like I said, is going to just add and just literally feed into this hysterical little personality that she's developing. And I know everybody thinks their kid is amazing, but like she's just so sweet and smart. And she deserved more. And I'm so excited to be doing this for her. But the, what my friend said is that we, we think that, that we're supposed to be the stay at home mom. We're supposed to fill the day with everything and we're supposed to just do everything right. And, you know, we follow all of the, the Instagram accounts of toddler behavior, make sure you do this, but not this, you give them this, but not this, you, you validate their feelings, but you don't coddle them too much. You let them fall. You let, like, it's so, it's so much shit all the time. And she just needed more because I was depleted. And so my kid is now getting a far better version of me. And she's getting in this, in this whole other environment with other adults who are going to aid in her development. She's going to make little friends and the whole socialization factor. It's just, I agree with, I agree with my friend who said that, that we've been indoctrinated to believe that we are supposed to be the stay at home mom. And that's what we should be doing. And so our kids are going to thrive the most at home with us. Well, I know I'm stepping into dicey waters here, but pandemic on is not boding well for child development. Kids are struggling. Speech therapy lists have, wait lists have never been longer. Delays have never been more prominent and I know this, I can speak, I'm educated on this. I can speak on this, that it's something that scares me. And again, I'm stepping in dicey waters here and I kind of don't care. I know that I've seen a big trend, a big increase in people saying that they want to homeschool. And I think like we've established the why behind any decision matters a fuck ton. Is it to shelter them from certain things? You know, like being afraid of drag queens? Go fuck yourself. Okay, well, is it you're afraid of any other sort of ideology? <laughs> I I don't, like, to, to quote the girl from Ozark, I don't know shit about fuck. Okay, if I homeschooled Rue, she would know a very in-depth, very 
highly crafted, specific history of the last approximately 15 years of Bravo. And she would know, like, that's kind of it. Like, I don't know shit about fuck. I, 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 I do not have the skills to teach my child what it will be required for her to thrive in the world in the way that I know she's capable of. So I'm sending her to formal education. The why matters. I like, I, I'm probably offending people. I, I actually do not care anymore. There are specific, there are, there are a few people I know personally who are highly, who, who actually do homeschool their children. I have a friend we've I've known her for a long 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 time we recently kind of reconnected in the last couple of years she homeschools her kids she's probably like the person who should like if anybody's gonna homeschool like it's her because she's one of the most intelligent people on the planet and like they'll be fine but like that's not the case for everybody so <laughs> I just think yeah also Another thing that um, my friend who gave me the pep talk about the school thing said is that like knowing that she's going to school and she's learning things and they're doing the things that developmentally, you know, she should be learning or should be doing. It takes less pressure off of me to be checking all those boxes. Like she was so funny. She was like, like, you don't have to sit and like focus on making sure she knows how to color because that's boring. And I laughed and she was like, no, like that's boring. It is. We're allowed to say that. Like, we're allowed to say that. But she's going to do things like that at school. So you get to enjoy your kid more. And I wish I would have known that, or maybe remembered, that 15 months is really when their world explodes. Like, I wish I would have known that this was going to be the plan because I think I would have looked back on the last year a little bit differently of knowing, okay, this is my job. For 15 months, this is my job. This is my to, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to think about that because then it's like, okay, well, I did do that and I did do the most and I was sober now because I was trying to do the most, but maybe if I would have known that there was like a, not an end in sight because that sounds bad, but it's like, and again, it's only like 10 hours a week that she's really gone, but it's, I don't know. I think I would have looked back on that maybe a little bit differently and I would have there's a lot of things I would have done differently, but I would have crafted the solo parenting of it all differently, knowing that this was then the next step, I guess. And people even told me this, like so many people said, yeah, you know, 15, 18 months, like mother's day out, something like that half day. Amazing. Like, like it's time that's their time to shine. But I just, I guess I, I didn't have that kind of foresight to like really think about what that could mean. I don't know. And like, I, Part of my OCD is thought ruminations. And so things like this, I constantly am looking back on what I could have done differently to change something right now, which gets you deeper and deeper and deeper down the hole of, it's just, it's just a thought spiral. It's ruminations that don't stop and they end nowhere except for making you highly anxious and it's, it, and depressed actually. So I'm really trying to not do that right now and taking this last year as a beautiful lesson and growth for both my daughter and me and my husband and knowing that for the first time in a really long time I feel like we are exactly where we're supposed to be and it feels so good it feels so good so 
that took an hour to tell that story. Um, I should probably wrap it up. I had a couple of pop culture things because, you know, I want to lighten the mood a little bit. And like, I've been gone for six weeks and I know everyone is just, you know, the four people who listen to this are on the edge of their seats to know what I think about Shannon Bedore's DUI. Um, I think she's a dipshit. And um, that's all I have. Oh my God. If anybody, I think I might, it's so hard being like you think you have friends right with like similar interests like you think that that's the common denominator within your friends and like the majority of my friends with the exception of like Matt don't watch Bravo and I don't understand Lindsay does and so last night Lindsay and I talked for an hour about Bravo updates but like there's this one specific thing that nobody in my world pays attention to and I think maybe because I that the demographic for it is actually a little bit older than me I have been very obsessed with the Juicy Scoop drama with Heather McDonald and Justin Martindale and Jeff Lewis. And if anybody else knows what I'm talking about, because it's like a very specific corner of the internet, but I was obsessed with it. And I listened to every podcast about it and every Jeff Lewis live. I literally subscribed to Sirius. I don't have Sirius Radio, but like I paid for Sirius just because I needed more content about this. Um, So if anybody wants to talk to me about it, I would love to. I'm not going to like like talk about it because I, it is like a very niche, but anyway, um, whatever. Yeah. I'll, we'll just do a TV catch up. Um, there's nothing, we'll do a TV Bravo catch up. Like maybe next week I'll make Lindsay, I'll call Lindsay and we'll, apparently we got a Potomac trailer. So, um, one thing that was, or one other thing that was on my list was, um, you know, like more shit about traveling with a baby, before we had this like big come to Jesus moment and like, you know, everything like shifted, um, the, the, the players don't get any time off during the season, except for if you get lucky and you have a game fall on basically not a Sunday. And then that provides you like an extra 36 hours off. So, um, we had this like two day window to go to do something. And I was like, we need to, we need to go. We need to just get in the car and go. Um, and Tabor had actually never been to Napa or anywhere in Napa Valley before. So, um, we drove up to downtown Napa. We stayed in like the cutest little country in, and, um, oh my God, I use this thing called baby quip. It's you, you, you can rent baby equipment because the hotel didn't have a pack and play. And so you just like, it's almost like, what what is what is an example it's like it's not like airbnb it's like it's just like you rent baby equipment and the person you're renting from like will drop it off to you or you can pick it up and it's like it's not cheap but it's like super worth it to not have to pack a pack and play because i just didn't okay anyway so that's really cool if you want to sponsor this, go for it. Okay. So, um, yeah, we went to Napa. It was so fun and like really solidified my opinion on like, you can't stop doing things that bring you joy just because you have a baby. And I know that I just spent the last hour explaining how I've actually not technically been doing that. If you really look at it. Um, but thank God that I was doing the specific things like travel, like honestly, mainly travel. Um, leaving the house, not being so like stuck in your home and having cabin fever because I can't imagine how this year, this last year would have gone if I would have been a hermit truly in my house and not putting Rue on planes, um, to go see friends, to go like we went, went to Europe. Like I can't imagine if I wouldn't have done any of those things that did bring me joy outside of being just a mom 
you know, quote unquote, just a mom. Um, I just can't imagine how much worse my mental health could have been or would have been had I not prioritized like the one thing that I do feel really strongly about is that your, your baby is born into your world. You are not born into theirs. And I think some people actually disagree with that. And I get that that's a parenting philosophy, but my point is we went to Napa and we found wineries that were kid friendly and like, okay, is wine tasting harder when you have a toddler? Yeah. But I'm not going to not do it. Because guess what? Parenting at a vineyard is infinitely more fun than parenting at home. And I think that's where there's a disconnect is that people are like, uh, what's the point? I'm like, I can tell you like 15 points. Is it harder to go to a restaurant and go wine tasting or go on a vineyard tour or like go like do things like this? Is it harder when you have a toddler? Yeah, ob- fucking obviously. But I would much, and Tabor said this, he was like, I would much rather be drinking a flight of Cabernet in St. Helena than sitting in the living room watching Miss Rachel because it's, it's more entertaining. It's more fun. And our kid is not sitting, staring at a screen because we're so tired and we're so burnt out and out of energy because we've been doing the same activities all day long. We've been playing with the same toys. And instead I can give her crayons and she can learn to color at a restaurant in downtown Calistoga. And she can run through a field while I drink a very, very crisp, dry Chardonnay, which by the way, I hate Chardonnay. I think it tastes like toilet water. Like I hate Chardonnay, but there's something about like a super buttery, like a literally, it tastes like butter that I do really enjoy, but it has to be ice cold. Okay. Okay. Nobody cares. But my point is, I think you know my point. Just do, just go to the winery. Like just go, just go wine tasting. And this, this is reminding me of, um, Jackie Schimmel, she has a podcast called The Bitch Bible. And I I think it was actually the first podcast I ever listened to in like 2016, maybe like a long time ago. She's one of those people who got in like right when this all started. And I think about that sometimes of like, oh, what if I would have started a podcast when I really started listening to podcasts? Okay, well, thank God I didn't because the bullshit that I probably would have said and talked about, like gagged me with a steak knife. Okay. But she said something. She has a newborn. And her shtick is kind of like very non-PC, very like says all of the things that we've all thought at least once, but like says them like a lot and intentionally tries to piss off people who are like so precious about like everything. Just like the people who are holier than thou about everything, specifically motherhood, like she is their biggest nightmare, which is so funny. Um, but she said something so hysterical and did basically a whole podcast episode. And I'm, (laughs) I'm not saying I necessarily totally agree with this. I'm just saying it was funny that she said, you know, those people who put on Instagram, there's no place I'd rather be. 
I there even with the song, there's no place I'd rather, you know, there's no place I'd rather be than like home with this baby. She was like, it's highly likely that those people have never been to Paris by themselves or they've never done insert any luxurious activity. Maybe ever. My point is, are there other places I would rather be? Yeah, for sure. And guess what? There's a lot of places that all of you would rather be. You just don't want to say it out loud because you think it makes you a bad mom, but it doesn't. It makes you human and it makes you honest. And if you, if we all take a step back and realize like this is temporary, none of this is going to last forever. I don't know why for the first time ever, like I'm actually, that's actually resonating with me because I tend to be like a glass half empty kind of person. And I don't know if that's like a childhood trauma thing. Like I don't have the energy or the patience to unpack that right now because it's like bedtime. But um, I just lean on the melancholy side. And I've heard people tell me this before. Like when I was pregnant, people said, it's all, it's, you know, it's not going to last forever. It's temporary. And I just couldn't internalize that because everything felt so dire And even in the last six weeks, things have just felt so dire. But then I don't know why for the first time, like I'm just, I genuinely am able to acknowledge that this isn't going to last forever and this is all temporary. And I want to try to enjoy my life while this is my current situation. And I don't know if I'm like becoming Rachel Hollis, like trying to like preach the gospel here, but I implore maybe everyone who feels that way um, to genuinely ask yourself what you want not what you think that you're supposed to be doing. And what I want to do right now is go take a bath and drink this hard cider that I'm obsessed with. It's Blake's. Um, nobody cares. Okay, whatever. Unless you're like in the Midwest, like you don't have access to it or whatever. Okay, so, but that's what I want to do. I'm going to go lay in the bathtub and light my pumpkin candle and drink a cider and scroll TikTok for about an hour. And then I'm going to Go lay in bed and I'm going to read this godforsaken Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo that I've been carrying around for three months and I'm about 15 pages in. My commitment is to finish this goddamn book in the next three days. So how about that for uh, somebody holding me accountable to literally anything? Okay. Um, if you made it the last hour and 10 minutes, I really, really sincerely appreciate it. Um, and I really appreciate (laughs) maybe like, I don't know, modern technology for having a medium that I can kind of throw all of these thoughts in my head out somewhere. I can digest things that I've been holding on to and try to regurgitate them in a way that a helps me process what I'm going through, but also, um, helps me find people who feel the same way I do because there's just nothing more healing than realizing that you're not alone and things that are really haunting you and things that you think are the end of the world and they're just not, um, they're not, I, and I see that now. So, um, I'll see y'all next week. I swear. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of TV. So if you're not interested in that, don't worry about it. But if you are, I'll see you next time. Bye.